Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. I am the manager, managing editor of thepopbreak.com, Al Manorino. With me, as always, uh, because he's under contract, Bill Botkin, the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Bill, what's going on? Well, uh, you know, I think, you know, we are recording this on election week. We're not getting political. Not going to get political. I, I just think we're just, like many people, very tired. Very tired. Going. I'm sampling on uh, some, you know, my, some some of the Blessed Sacrament, some Telemadu, and uh, feeling pretty good because, of course, we have the resident guest, our favorite guest. She's on every month. The music editor of thepopbreak.com, Kat Manos. What's going on, man? Hi. I'm always so honored to be your favorite guest, as I assume that I'm nobody's favorite guest. Well, you're basically the third host. Yeah. But that is true. Much to the, you know, dislike of the audience. Uh, no, just the... Doubt just, it. Just the members of my family who heard the last podcast and no longer talk to me. Um, yeah. Oh my god, I'm so Nope, so I sad. said way too many things. But we're not going to rehash any of that because Al, no. introduce a very special guest, someone you both have talked to me about. I've never met. I'm excited to get into some yeah. conversations with this person. Yes, yeah, so uh, this special guest who's never been on the podcast before is a neutral friend of me and Kat. I think we I think strangely this person was someone that Kat, I don't think you introduced me to. I think we actually just No. We knew mutually, yeah. which was weird because that was like our only connection. Yes, we this this person was a mutual friend of ours and honestly, I've known him probably 7 8 years at this point <laughs> and he is like everybody's mutual friend in New York. I was just going to say Literally, like the, I think the he number is of people like, where I'm like, the, oh, you know him? Oh, me too. And it's like, it's like, it's like Kevin Bacon, but mm-hmm. this, this six, the was it the six degrees of Ken yeah. Grand Pierre? Is that how I said? Because I never actually asked the the way to say it. Is that how you say it, Ken? Yeah. That's correct. You said it. Oh, right. excellent, Ken. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Ken. Ken is also, and to just butcher his uh, introduction, Ken is also the host of the the New Exchange podcast. Also yes, got that correct. Yay, I got that one right, too. Uh, but, Ken, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun finally getting to be on because, you know, I've actually been listening to this podcast since it started, and it's been a really nice companion piece to this whole weird, dark age that we're living in. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, Ghost. We're basically, and, Al and I, this podcast is like, we're it's the end of the world's end, the movie. Um I'm definitely the Simon Pegg character, and I think Al's the Nick Frost character, So, which usually is the other way around if you see us in person. But, sure. um, yeah, I think we're very much like that. Ken, are you, you're also a photographer, right? Or am I yeah. just wrong? No. no, that's correct. I'm correct. also a music photographer, which has made this whole pandemic like twice as weird, because generally I'll photograph musicians at concerts, usually like at the venues leading up to the shows, and kind of like creating like a photo essay and portrait of what it's like to be a musician leading up to a show and then the show itself. And obviously throughout COVID, there hasn't been much concert. So it's been really nice, like kind of taking a break from that and just focusing on podcasting because you guys know it's like, it's so much fun just getting an excuse to talk to interesting people. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, we will plug the podcast at the end and you can tell people where they can find it and some of the guests that you have, because it's uh, super impressive that you've been able to do this, because this was not planned as a pandemic endeavor. This was something that was planned in uh, way before that. And then, of course, it happened during. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I actually had a lot of reservation of doing it during the pandemic at all. But then, it, you know, who knows when this is going to end? So it very much became a thing of like, I better just get it over. with. I was going to say, like, we've had conversations and i think i've shouted off rooftops of like if you have a creative thing to share you must do it because there's no time like the present we're running out of things to do and hear and see like i've been saying like you know release wonder woman and you know put all these shows out there stop making us wait and i think you know you doing uh the, the new exchange it's the same concept you you have something for us we want to hear it and there's plenty of people out there who are looking for things to do that aren't doom scrolling or you know <laughs> just eating and drinking constantly and bill i take offense to me being the nick frost character not he because was the I most put nick- together <laughs> of the group yeah not 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 because i think if you drink more you become the nick frost character no oh, yeah the whole i point do, of I world- do a lot Oh, I thought we were talking about Shaun of the Dead. No, I no, said World's no, End. Oh, World's End. No, I take I take offense to that one, too. What? He just wants to be Simon Pegg. That's why. No, I don't want to be. <laughs> he he wants to be Simon Pegg at all times. A man I've I almost killed. Want, I don't want to be Gary King. I don't think anyone should be Gary King. Oh, fuck it. I'll, all right, I'll be Gary King. I don't care. All right. That somebody would take offense to being Nick Frost. He is a national treasure, an international treasure, and, and we value him. has been interviewed on this site. Yes, he has. That's right about his new sci-fi show. Check out Bill's review. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, don't have the review up yet because I was planning it to write it on Monday. Things happened. Then elections. <laughs> this week. Um, but Ken, can I ask before we start, um, what is the podcast about? Because I have not gotten a chance to listen. My podcast listening has been very uh, stunted just due to the fact I have to like sit at a, like my kitchen table and answer phone calls all day and also virtual school and be a dad at the same time. So what is the what is the, the podcast all about? And if you remind people what the, the name of it is again. Yeah, so the podcast is called The New Exchange with Ken Grandpierre. If you're looking at any of like the podcast directories, you have to like type in my name. It's a whole thing. But uh, yeah, essentially the podcast is about how everyone has a story to tell, which sounds very simple, but it's very much trying to pinpoint on this idea that even though we're all very different people, we can essentially learn about ourselves through other people. So I've been very fortunate where because of my career, I get to work with people who are obscenely talented, people who like play like theaters and arenas and like people have like movies and like theaters and stuff. And I think a lot of people see that and think that there's this big disconnect between like everyday life and people who achieve big things. So I would say the overall aim of the podcast is to kind of like shorten that gap where people listen to someone I'm talking to and realize that they have a lot in common with this person who's doing, you know, incredible things. And that also at the end of the conversation, by listening to somebody different, you'll get a sense that you could learn something about yourself that you didn't even know about. So that's like the big idea. Wow. That's that awesome. Is, and, uh, wow. I, that is an amazing <laughs> idea for a podcast and like better than this 
two dads getting drunk this, talking about pop culture. <laughs> I'll tell you that. This, this isn't an idea. This is stupidity and alcohol at its finest. This is our fucking that's Facebook messenger chats um, turned to real life. Yeah, and Kat exactly. just comes in and just pats us both on the head and be like, you boys. Yes. Yeah. And if you, you, you scams. To to a, rubs us on the head. If you want to listen to Ken's actual podcast, uh, we're going to put links. We'll put links within oh, uh, the episode description. So you guys can uh, go there and subscribe and rate and review and uh, get. We'll Ken's even do it before podcast. the podcast even airs. Yes, I mean I run our Twitter, so the yeah. End of this podcast. Like, <laughs> listen to what we have to say and then do it at the end. Uh, but yeah, Everyone's like I said, skipping ahead just to listen to Ken's podcast. Don't skip to the end. <laughs> Curses. Um, I, I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that it's a special episode. Is it a special epico- episode because Cat and Ken? Uh, are on the pod and I haven't seen them in forever. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Obviously. I've but never also, actually met Kat in real life, so. Yeah. I know. That's, that's, it'll happen. It's going to happen. That doesn't feel real, but yeah. it will happen. I know. Yes. We've been through uh, so but, much, even just this week. It's true. The, the reason it's a special episode is because it's actually uh, kicking off a 10 week endeavor, because I believe it's 10 weeks, and we'll, uh, Bill will give me a thumbs up if that's true or not. I'm not. No? I have wrestling Great. on my my phone. I'm not paying attention. To <sighs> the worst. Anyway, uh, but yes. So I'm taking we, all the times down for the segments, man. Uh, well, we're not even there yet. But yeah, I know. So, uh, Lucas is going to hate us. Lucas oh B. Jones, God, yeah. our editor, is really going to hate us. But also, I'd like to put over Ken one more time. One of the great names. And it's sad we don't have Cole Rothacker on with us. Like... Think of the names, not you and I, Al. Our, na- our names are just garb. <laughs> Trash. Trash Ken- names. Ken Grandpierre, Kat Manos, Cole Rothracker. It's like a Dickens novel come to life. I love it. The English yes. major in me is like, oh, God, it's so wonderful. Ken's like, why did I come on this shit? This is, very, <laughs> this is the worst. Um, special episode, 10-week series that we're doing we are going to be specifically focused on the mandalorian so if you have no interest in the mandalorian first of all why are you listening to this podcast Who are you? second of all um just go listen to old episodes they're fun too but for the next few weeks we're going to be doing uh kind of deep dives into the season two of the mandalorian we are uh, obsessed with this show we talk about it all day on social media um and it's one of those like kind of last remaining water cooler-esque shows you know, when water coolers were a thing, which I don't think has been since like the 90s. But when <laughs> every week we would come into an office space of some sort or we'd talk to our friends about, did you watch The Mandalorian? And that's how uh, we, we said it a lot. The Mandalorian and Watchmen last year were like a gift oh. right before 2020. Like it was the last gift before just chaos endured. So uh, getting back to some normalcy with a weekly schedule of season two of The Mandalorian, we are in honor of that going to be doing these kind of deep dive roundtable style reviews and we have a few segments planned in advance but uh we just wanted to get online and talk about the show because uh it's amazing and uh so i'm going to start real quick with a uh just a summary of the episode if you have not watched it yet uh this is going to be filled with spoilers so we are going to go kind of deep uh, as Ken said, we're going deep into Star Wars. So, Oh, I figured uh, out a name for this segment, by the way. Ooh, hit me, go. The opening scroll. Boom, love it. Ah. Love it, love it. So, for the opening scroll, uh, I'm stealing this directly from Wikipedia. Seeking other Mandalorians to help him reunite the child with its kind, the Mandalorian approaches criminal Gore Koresh, who supposedly knows the whereabouts. After failing to kill the Mandalorian for his Beskar 
Fresh reveals the rumors of another Mandalorian operating on Tatooine. So within the first few minutes, we get to see, um, you know, this awesome fight sequence at like this underground fighting ring. It's uh, wrestling. Baby. Just admit it's wrestling, Al. It's all right. <laughs> under, underground wrestling, uh, you know, uh. ring. we get to see baby Yoda yet again in oh. another situation that he should not be in. Oh, um, and some super cute moments that we will get into uh, later in the episode. But I digress. Um, so the Mandalorian, the child, uh, re- they return to Tatooine. Uh, they get reunited with uh, mechanic and uh, super famous comedian uh, Peli Moto, but uh, is played by Amy Sedaris. Uh, Amy Sedaris. I was going to say very, uh, very famous comedian. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you floundering for a second. I'm like, thank you. Do you uh, not uh, know Amy Sedaris? Come on. No, I, I couldn't. I just she was an elf. Her. She was yeah. she was James Conn's receptionist. You're right. That is true. Wow, she's really young in that. I just realized that. Anyway, um, movie is not so, uh, is Pe- not recent. Pelimoto, who uh, she reveals the location of Mos Pelgo, yes, uh, a town thought to be destroyed and not shown on any map. So it's another Mos in the vicinity of Tatooine, like Mos Eisley. Um, so they uh, they head over to Mos Pelgo, uh, Mos Mos Pelgo, and they um, run into the self appointed marshal of Mos Pelgo, Cobb Vanth. Ugh, could be saying that name a lot. Uh, who's wearing a pretty famous Mandalorian armor that worn by bounty hunter Boba Fett. Um, and we basically go into a classic Western tale of uh, a, a drifter coming into town to help the marshal and or sheriff uh, take down the, um, you know, unwanted beast. It's uh, basically this uh, tremor giant sandworm thing. <laughs> Did not think um, of that, but a good call. Right. And, uh, yeah, and basically in exchange for helping him save the town, um, he will return the uh, Boba Fett's armor. And then we get an, an amazing, amazing, and, you know, we're skipping a lot of stuff, but an amazing cameo at the end of the episode that sets up probably a big portion of season two, which is uh, the actual Boba Fett is alive and well. Well, well, well. We need to clarify well, that cameo. Because... We do need to clarify the cameo. So, uh, yes. It, apparently, it is a heavily scar. It It's believed to be Boba Fett, but we can... That's the reason for this podcast. We want to talk who, who, nerdy who stuff. Who, who said that was Boba Fett? Well, Only it's, Al it's, right now. Well, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. So, uh, that is a, a quick summary. Of course, we're gonna, we can dive deep into more things, but uh, we're going to just start off... Um, just like initial reactions, we'll start off and, uh, I'll go with cat cat initial reactions. First of all, were you a, a fan of season one in mm-hmm. general? And, uh, what did you think of just, uh, the overall, uh, going back into the world of the Mandalorian? Yeah. Um, good question. So, um, for people who don't know, I am a star Wars fan. I say that with a question mark at the end because I love Star Wars things. However, Star Wars fans have made me hate it. Um, And it's been very difficult to enjoy Star Wars things because of said people. Um, I I will say that I I enjoyed um, season one of The Mandalorian. And so far, I think it's been the most consistent 
um, property that Star Wars has released, even though it's been 11 or 12 episodes or whatever it is. Um, I am not obsessed with it. I'm not head over heels in love with it, but I do enjoy it. Um, And part of my hesitation with that is that um, particularly in season one, it was a little difficult for me to become attached to the Mandalorian because who the fuck is he? Um, what is he? Uh, what are some defining characteristics of him other than wearing a helmet? I don't know still. Um, but but uh, I think what really illuminated... Um, this last episode for me, which I was talking to um, my boyfriend, Cole, who may or may not make an appearance on this. And I was saying, like, I don't know how I feel about this, like, adventure of the week business. Like, I would like if there was kind of like a through line plot. And also, like, who's the Mandalorian? What's his deal? Like, we still don't even really know that much about him. And he said, well, you know, actually, it's kind of like a Western, he's supposed to be like a Clint Eastwood type where he's stoic, and that's his whole thing. And you learn about him based upon his behavior. Um, and I was like, okay, that's actually really fair. And that's a good point. And, and I like that because it's different at least. Um, all of that said, I I think that this first season opener was like very excellent, very, uh, well acted by especially the guest stars and these like Dune-esque, like tremor worms were horrifying and also looked really, really good. Um, yeah. And, and I also liked, um, seeing another side to the Tuscan Raiders. God, I almost called them sand people. That feels racist, even though they call them sand people in the episode, Tuscan Raiders. Um, yeah. It's a cool name. It's a pretty dope name. They, they should just change the, the Washington football team to the Washington Tuscan. Raiders. Fuck, it would be so much better than what it is now. Right? It can't be any worse. Like, I love uh, I love reading, like, fantasy things, where, or fantasy football stuff, where it's just like, the football team's defense, yeah. and I'm like, you know there's 32 football teams, right? Like, it's just yeah. weird. It's just things that just tickle me in times like this. But anyway. Uh, Ken, um, I'm going to take it to you now, so uh, I'm basically same questions. Where Were you... Uh, a fan at the jump of, of season one for the Mandalorian and just give me your like overall thoughts of uh, the season two premiere. I keep almost saying season nine. I, I want to say chapter nine, but season two premiere. Yeah, sure thing. Well, I'll give some context for people first. Uh, apart from loving music, I also love films and Star Wars what is like a big love of mine because um, when they re-released them back in the 90s, my dad took me to see them and I was like seven. And I remember, I still to this day remember being a little kid, seeing the Stardust, the, like the Rebel Corvette coming in and the Stardust were chasing it. And I still remember being a kid thinking like, what, what is that? Like, what is going on? And ever since then, I've loved Star Wars. I'd definitely share a little bit with what Kat brought up where... Star Wars is in such a weird place right now where I have this big affinity for it, but over the last, like, five to six years, the fan base has made it really hard. But that's what's made The Mandalorian such a big gift for me. I loved the first season because with the way I grew up with Star Wars, I've always wanted it. I mean, I enjoy the aspect of, like, Skywalkers and the Force and good versus evil, but 
I've always found myself thinking like, wow, here's this big galaxy. Like, who are these characters? What are these like different conversations and stories going on? And what's really cool about the Mandalorian is that even though it, there is like a good versus evil element, it really is just like, let's hang out and explore this galaxy. And I, I'll be the one to say something controversial first on yes. the podcast. <laughs> I, <Not me. laughs> I enjoyed the sequel trilogy that just happened. I largely enjoyed all those films. But I think I could say that this premiere episode of Mandalorian Season 2 is better than any Star Wars that we've gotten in, like, years. <laughs> like, I was a giddy oh, little kid the whole time. I was, yeah. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And just, like, the scale. Like, you really felt like... It kind of reminded me about how, like, when you'd watch Game of Thrones and, like, you know, you would feel like you're watching a movie and not a show. That's kind of how I mm-hmm. felt watching this episode. I was like, wow, this is like a film. Yeah, there is something to, like... Favreau and Filoni's just overall vision for the show and it's so well planned out and like they knew you know what the show is almost immediately you know and within the first two episodes of season one like they've set up the world like and they've set up this dynamic this this lone wolf and cub uh slash man with no name kind of space western that is deeply rooted in the lore of the original trilogy because it takes place you know a few months or years after return of the jedi so you know i totally get that the reason you feel that way is because they crack the code of what a continuation of star wars is in some capacity whereas the the new trilogy the newer trilogy the abrams and ryan johnson abrams trilogy it it was like we need to both reboot and honor what came before so we have to reintroduce an audience like i i'm a force awakens apologist everyone says it's a carbon copy of a new hope i said yes 100 percent. that's what's supposed to be they literally had to make a new hope again for a new audience and that's what they did i think they did it perfectly well they had to continue the story but also just redo it again because that's what got people interested in the first place so i understand that this, however, is like, this is probably what everyone wanted. They wanted to see more and feel like they were still in the past. And I I, I, I can't explain it any other way. It's just like, they knew it. Like, Filoni, who is a fucking Star Wars savant, and Favreau, who's just a master storyteller, they crack the code of how do you make a, a, a good spinoff, or a good continuation of a you know Star Wars proper. They they just nailed it. So I totally agree with you, Ken. Uh, Bill. Yeah. So I, I guess I I've been heading into season one and season two headed in with trepidation. In season one, <clears throat> I loved The Force Awakens. I, I loved uh, The Last Jedi. I know controversial statement. I didn't love Flat Rise of Skywalker. It was fine. Um, and I, I enjoy, I generally enjoy just watching Star Wars stuff. I like, like Ken, I grew up on Star Wars. I, I, not the re-releases. I'm a little older than you guys. It's when you're like, <laughs> I was seven when it was re-released. I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> I am so old. <laughs> and it's just like, I remember watching it on HBO with my dad and my dad telling me that he took my, like when the first Star Wars, Star Wars was released, he took 
my oldest uh, cousin, who is like now in his fifties, and his dad, who was like this, you know, no, not didn't like sci-fi or anything, thought it was, and his dad, you know, was probably in his late fifties, early sixties, was like, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life, and so that was passed down to me. So like, I've always been a Star Wars fan. However, I just and I've always wanted a Star Wars show. I, I've said on um, podcasts in the past on Pop Break that like uh, I look at Rogue One and I'm like, man, that would have made a great show. Like instead of a movie, that would have been an awesome show just to have more time. Mm-hmm. Solo, I'm like, oh, that could have made a great show. I enjoyed the movies, don't get me wrong, but to have more time for exposition, I thought they would have been great. But I went into this, I'm like, I was like, man. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how the series is going to be. And when we got into it, that first episode, I was like, this is what I wanted. I didn't know I wanted any of this. I didn't know I wanted this Star Wars Western, but I love it. And I was in. And there were some episodes that were, eh, it was, they were okay. The the last Tatooine episode we had with um, Bobby Cannavale's son and Ming-Na Wen, I was like, eh, probably for me, the weakest uh, episode of the series but when we came into season two, I was a little worried because I'm like, oh, man. And Ken, you mentioned uh, Game of Thrones. And I'm like, much like Game of Thrones, like the Mandalorian has become this omnipresent piece of pop culture. Everywhere you turn, there's those ears. There's Baby Yoda's everywhere. We were just talking about before. He's in Target. He's in 7-Eleven. He's everywhere you go. <laughs> And remember, like, when it came out, everyone was like, why is there no Baby Yoda stuff? Now you can't tr- you can't walk out your door without Baby Yoda just looking at you with that, them cute little ears and those big eyes. But it's become such a big part of it. And I look at, like, how Game of Thrones was when it became, like, this highly rated show, this, like, ubiquitous piece of pop culture. And we also got some of its worst storytelling and some of its yes. worst episodes. There were some great moments in there. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they, like, it felt like they, like, there was no plan. Cruise control was put into it. I understand this is not a Game of Thrones podcast. But that was my concern with Mandalorian Season 2. It's the Matrix 2. It's the Matrix Revolutions. uh, Or whatever Matrix 2 was. It was that fear of they never had a plan for a second season. So they were just going to lean into everything that made it popular. It's just like, let's have baby Yoda be cute all the time. Let's just recycle the story, the, the everything that made it popular. And that's kind of what the trailer, like when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, Oh, this is so awesome. I can't wait. Maybe because the world's on fire. This is something positive. But when I watched it a few more times, I'm like, Oh man, there's way too much this is the way. There's way too many cute Yoda moments. I'm like, I'm really hoping they just don't lean into all the stuff we love and overkill it. And watching this episode, I'm like, yeah, they leaned into it, but not in an excessive way, in a way that made sense. We got more of the child, but it wasn't too much. We leaned yeah. into Star Wars mythology, but it made sense. And... Yeah, this this story this this is not a dissimilar story we've seen with the Mandalorian before. It was like, all right, well, I got to help this village out. Okay, there's more nuance and more stuff happening in the episode, but it was different. And Timothy Oliphant, who we'll get into later, that character, huge part of that. 
So I was I I've watched this, and by the way, I'll just put I just I know I've mentioned this before. I bought a new TV first first TV first new TV I've ever bought in my life. It was a like a high end 4K TV. Got a great deal on Amazon for it. This was the one of the first things I watched on it. I was like, this is the best idea. I this is the best investment I've made <laughs> outside of a car. This is great. And so it was it was super cool to see that. So I was very happy with what happened because I walked into like season one, episode one in chapter, or let's say chapter one. I walked into chapter nine with a lot of uh, worry and trepidation because of uh, just circumstances with the show. Wait, Bill, I have a question. You mentioned that they, they didn't plan on having a second season to this. Is that true? I don't No, 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 I, I see. I don't know that, but like, you know how like something like there's a movie and it's super successful, like The Matrix. Yes. They're like, oh, we have a plan. And then I watched right, The Matrix two and three. And I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think you ever had a plan. This is kind of like you're just like, shit, yeah. we're gonna make stuff up. I'm like, and like, so that was my worry walking mm-hmm, into it. I'm mm-hmm. like, do yeah. they actually have? They said they have a plan, but do they actually have a plan? Well, yes, we've also heard that many times before from Star Wars. We have a plan. Oh, do do you? Do you have a plan, though? No. no you don't how, about have that, a... how about that Boba Fett movie you guys were going to do with Justin Trank? Justin doesn't have a job anymore because he's an asshole in Hollywood. I think it's Josh, too, so You're whatever. Right. <laughs> we're butchering a, butchering a guy's name, and we're not even getting it right. Well, okay, um, so let's let's just say this. Reboot. Yeah. Yes. Which we talked about last week. Fan for Stan. Uh, uh, are you really say... a fan for Stan? No, 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 no. I call that movie fan four stick because that's exactly how it was stylized <laughs> on the thing. So every time I'm like, fan four stick. Oh I love it. Um, oh, well, let, oh well, that uh, did Bill not go away the way I wanted it to, but oh, that was perfect. I love it. Before we get into the next segment, I do want to talk about just, uh, just some things we noticed um, about what's different what's changed what's what's uh what are we liking what are we disliking about um the season so far obviously we're one episode in but as we progress further into um the season we're going to want to talk about these things closer one thing i noticed right off the bat and and they kind of made you notice it but um when mando because i'm never going to call him his real name i'm always going to just call him mando i don't even uh, know his real name what is it? He has a real name. I'm going to think, I think Ken knows it, so I'm not going to steal Sonder. What is it? It's Din something. I think Din Jaren. That's it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. That's no, I knew it. I was like, I want to give it to Ken. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Mando like Carl Weathers does. Mando! <laughs> Mando. Mando. By the way, did, did anyone watch the make, the, the Disney gallery of The Mandalorian? Where, so good. Where like they basically put over Carl Weathers and how great he is, and he's basically sitting there in like this wonderfully beautiful shirt and like track and like track pants. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's like and he's like weeping. Like Gina Carano's yeah. like, he's such a giving actor, he helped me so much. And they're all putting him over and he's sitting there like he t- Stubbs is over there just like from Happy Gilmore's just like with like, the crocodile yeah. tears and he's just like Yeah, he's like, probably never been a Probably never been appreciated or talked to a, like a, in that way in his entire career, which like is ever. a bunch of crap. It was a touching I mean, moment. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, did anyone did, not watch the rest of development season one? <laughs> Come on. Oh. I know. It was great. I, well, I was going to mention that, but anyway, we stand Carl Weathers. You got a stew going, baby. That's, <laughs> That's one of the best. Of all time. <laughs> one of the best. Um, I, I do want to just bring up some, some things I noticed. One of the things was um, after um, IG-88's uh, amazing sacrifice in the in the, the season finale of season one, um, we see that Amando has changed his mind about robots, has changed his mind about droids, because uh, they're, they're not called robots in Star Wars, but droids. So you see when he's getting off the, uh, getting out of his ship that he doesn't mind if they, uh, you know, clean it and fix it and all that kind of stuff. And she even... Uh, Amy Sedaris's character even even mentions like, oh, he's changed his mind. Don't don't fuck it up, basically. Um, and I thought that was. I would have loved like, it if that was the line. <laughs> Just like yeah, the first f bomb in Star Wars is from Amy Sedaris. It'd <laughs> be great. Um, yeah, and I, I that was one thing I noticed that um, was just. You know, a nice little nod to you know our our fallen and beloved uh, Taika Waititi, IG eighty eight. We've interviewed, on the pop, we've interviewed on the popbreak.com, by the way. So. God, that's going to bother me. I think it's IG-88. He is. Or is it IG? No, because there are other IG units that have been talked about in Star Wars and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Ken, any, any, any like, initial kind of thoughts? Any, any Anything uh, stuck out at you before we get into the meat of the episode? Well, kind of expanding on what you just brought up... Um, I would say a big favorite thing of mine of this episode overall is the element of consequence, which I feel generally, if there's anything Star Wars kind of has sucked at, has been a, a, res, a residence of like um, consequence carrying out throughout stories. So, you know, a prime example is like when you get the flashback with uh, Cobb and seeing that a lot of the events that led to where he is now comes from the second Death Star blowing up. I love things like that because it shows that pivotal events that happen in the main films have this resounding effect in small increments all over the galaxy. And what I love about that is it just goes to show that you can have so many different stories that all link to one central event. And it's still there's different shades and different variations and different severities of uh, stories you can explore. I think that's really cool. Like the aspect of consequence being introduced to Star Wars being fostered it makes it feel a lot more real yeah absolutely because you know not that i'm attempting to tie it into our current state of political affairs but i feel like people you know what's gonna happen people, if you do it i know but but uh, and I'll, I'll try to be as vague as possible but people you know i think we see back then that blowing up the death star was just good triumphing over evil and we don't think of the consequences of well what happens to the government that has been in place and all the people that this affects and what happens when um you know like who's in charge at this point and you know there's potential uprisings and things like that so there's all these effects that you you know that you've eloquently put like we never seen that. We've only just seen the the Ewoks dance and, and everything being right as rain, right? Like so, it's good to see what did happen post that Ewok dance. Is what I'm is what I'm going for. Uh, Bill, any any uh, anything spark your interest? As, well, I, 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 as I 
as I'm getting slowly more drunk. Uh, I, need, I need a refill real soon. Is um, it, uh, one thing I, I, I love is uh, I, what Ken point, uh, touched upon, but more eloquently than I will say, is that um, I love the that we're we're tapping into the history of Star Wars, but it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel crowbarred. And that's something I feel like in the Star Wars, ever since the original trilogy. We've done that. We've, we've tried to crowbar stuff in there so it makes it – we're making this fit. That This felt more natural. This felt like a, an event in history. Like you're reading the history book. It's just like, okay, there was a power vacuum and this oil cartel or this mining cartel, whatever cartel they were, they came in. They took over. And you you think about it. You're like, that feels real. That feels like I read this in a history book about another country. That this doesn't feel like some sort of wacky space thing that happened. Like it, it, it feels very realistic, and I really like that. And I also the other thing I think Al, you touched upon with the Mandalorian too is like how he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hate droids. Now we're seeing that, and and Kat, you touched upon this too. Is just like who is the Mandalorian? What is the Mandalorian? How does he feel? We're seeing this emotional evolvement of him, whereas in episode episode one. Um, he, oh no, sorry. Episode two, he couldn't talk with the Jawas and he wanted to shoot the Jawas and he wanted to just, just, just like a, you know, be, he was at their throat. They were at each other's throats, but now he's communicating with, with the Tusken Raiders and he's trying to find peaceful, um, alternatives outside of just like, I'm going to burn you or I'm going to shoot you. or I'm going to just use force to get this through and not the force, but actual like physical violent force. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like he is evolving. And it's because of the child. It's because of um, uh, Cara Dune. I'm probably got the name wrong. No, oh. you got okay. it. Okay, uh, yeah, because it's Gina Carano. I'm like, isn't her name Cara Dune? I'm like, no, it's Gina Carano. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just like I'm thinking back to when she was a MMA fighter. Um, but it's just like, yeah. So it's like you're seeing this emotional evolvement, and that's something I, I kind of was worried about. I was just like, is he just gonna? You know, are we just going to play the greatest hits and be him being stoic Mando? It's like, no, we're evolving him because he's basically now a dad. <laughs> and he's got this dad journey he has to take. And when you become a dad, you change. Like, you, your life changes. So this makes sense. Like, everything that's happening is logical. And it makes sense. And I like that. It feels realistic. Even though we're in on Tatooine, it feels realistic. So that's what I'm enjoying about it. Cat, did we go to you? We did not. Go. No. <clears throat> um, f- forgive me for kind of butchering this. I, I feel like I-, I watched this over a week ago, so I can't remember. But something that I really liked was uh, I believe that the Jedi are brought up, but not necessarily by name. And Mando is like low-key dismissive about them. He's like, oh, these goons with their religious whatever. That's I have yeah. to trailer, I thought. No, no, no. That's in the recap. No, you're fine, Cat, because that's um, that's from the finale of the previous oh, season, yeah. where uh, okay. where where she's because it's what's setting up his mission, right? So it's right, right, it's right. your your um, he learns of the hit of his people, right? Basically, like kind of. We mm-hmm. don't know his race or whatever. Uh, we just have to kind of bring him back. Mm-hmm. But we were at war with these people. But this is the way. Like you have to this is your mission to bring them to bring him back to the Jedi. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I guess that wasn't the recap. 
Um, but it's been so long since season one came out. But I, I was going to say that what I do like about the show is that it is very much inherently Star Wars without um, uh, 35 lightsabers and like 10 jumping Jedis like going around this the into frame. Is like, this like a t- Christmas song right now? <laughs> <laughs> 10 Jedis jumping. <laughs> That probably is. It's probably some YouTube video. It's probably um, in the new uh, Lego Star Wars Christmas special we're going to get with one of the great all-time posters. True. Trust. True. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a Star Wars show that doesn't feel like it needs to be like, look, there's like Jedi and they're fighting and they're all related to Darth Vader. It's Darth Vader. It's like, okay, we I like those little moments where even Mandalorian's like, who the fuck are the Jedi? Like, no. So I, I appreciate those things um, because it feels like we're actually seeing more of the world of Star Wars as opposed to um, every single person who's tangentially related to the Skywalkers constantly yeah. being the, the center of the focus. I love it how you lo- just described Star Wars and just like, but at the same time, Loki just dragged so many like shitty fanboys. Oh, it's, God. No, it's you're a you're Cap- a treasure. I love you. <laughs> I know. She's the best. Cat brings up a great point though. Like, I mean, we I don't even think we talked about this, but I remember it was so strange because it was a time where The Mandalorian was released, and again it was uh one it was a weekly show, so we were getting, you know, ten weeks or whatever. Which by the way is one of the best things about it. Exactly. I'm over binging. I'm over it. 100%. Yeah. But right towards the end of the season, we also got the ending of the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the Mandalorian and we're like, oh, this is way better. Like, this is just <laughs> yeah. so enjoyable. And it's because, of, it's because of everything you just said, Kat. It's, it's you know, obviously th- these guys had a plan and you know, they did it. That's one thing. But on top of that, it was just, we, we were so inundated and, and so bombarded with the Skywalkers and, and, um, you know, Palpatine and Vader and all this stuff that we were just like enough. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to see a fucking lightsaber anymore. Like, just like, I, I want something fun and exciting and different and challenging. And, Different is the big thing. Like, give us something we haven't seen. And I remember years ago we were supposed to get. Uh, and Ken, you might remember this. And I don't know if any, because I don't know if Ken, if you're a gamer or not, but you may have heard of this in passing. We were supposed to get like a Star Wars Underworld game, where it was supposed to be thirteen thirty. Thank you, thank you so much. And you remember. So we were supposed to get this. Like, we were supposed to get a whole game in the vein of uh, Force Unleashed, which was like. What happens if you could just be a fucking, you know, an evil Jedi and just go ham? Like, let's see what uh, the, the what's it called? The bounty hunters are like, the, the underworld, the, the seediness. And there was, there was footage, there was concept art, there was all this stuff. And then they pulled the plug and we're like, well, we're never getting that cool thing because Disney now own Star Wars, and we're never going to see like them see the CD side of it. We're getting that now with The Mandalorian. We're getting challenging adult storytelling wrapped up in a cute Baby Yoda blanket, and I love it. 
So I, I totally understand what you're saying there, um, that it's just a nice breath of fresh air to not have to deal with, you know, and it sounds so selfish, but at the same time, it's like, we just dealt with like almost like six, no, eight years of this just hitting you over the head with just more Skywalker and Luke and, you know, Leia and all this kind of stuff. Like this is so much like, again, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do want to say though, um, because I don't want to entirely shit on the sequel trilogy because there are things that I do really enjoy from it. Same. And, and something that I hope, the Mandalorian like improves upon. I feel like the sequel trilogy has really great characters who I very much care about, but their plot was not very yeah. good. And yeah. the Mandalorian has like good plot and pacing and things like that, that feel new, but they need more characters specifically some that are consistent like mm -hmm. it's nice to kind of have like a, a guest star of the week like timothy oliphant drop in but at the end i was like oh well, fuck now we're not gonna see him again until he pops up at the end of at the end of this season yeah. <laughs> i want someone consistent who could play off of baby yoda who to me is the star despite the fact that he she doesn't speak and mando mm -hmm. who is just kind of this thing that we all project things on. Like, I, I do agree with you, Bill, that he is showing more emotion and stuff, but like, I want more. Oh yeah. I think oh, you, yeah. I think you get that from Cara Dune and, um, and Carl Weathers character. Sorry. It's escaping me for a second. Grief. Oh no, it's uh grief. Carvo grief. I, th I think his name is Carl Weathers. Like they say it. Carl Weathers. It's 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 yeah. it's. it's uh, I was gonna say Apollo Creed, but like I was trying to think of his Apollo name, Creed. Predator. No, because <laughs> there. I really want to see a scene in, in this in this show where he just gets one arm shot off and he's like, ah! it's like it's just God. his biceps is just are just. Like, I just want to. No one appreciates that Carl Weathers was just like carved out of a mountain. In yeah. Predator, it's just because he was standing next yeah. to Schwarzenegger that no one like really realized that. I'm like, watch that arm that falls off, man. That thing, Dude. you're not. That's that's unhuman. They gave they gave us the greatest handshake of all time. Oof. <laughs> of like of all pop culture, I'm gonna say it's the greatest, like legit uh, hand clasp of all time. Um, but I think you get. I think you so get ridiculous. what you're looking for, Cat. I think you get that with those two like we see that they're going to be the recurring characters like the ones in his life that he trusts and i think if we just introduce someone like timothy elephant's character like kind of like late in the game mm -hmm. i don't think we're gonna we're gonna resent them for not being there from the get-go and i think one of the most like one of the, the best moments from the season one is carl weathers interacting with baby yoda like you know, so do the magic arm wave thing. And he's like, hi. Like, that's the, one of the cutest moments from the show ever. Like, th I want more of that. Like, I want more of their relationship. I, I feel that. like, Al, I feel like this is a really good time to transition. 100%. Into a segment. First time I've ever done this in, like, 30-plus weeks on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> talking about, um, oh, shit, I forgot the name of the segment. <laughs> it's, uh, it would be called Stop Baby Yoda Time. No, no. I'm talking yeah, about no. the. I'm talking about the guest star. Oh man, I love I love that segment though. That the name of it. All right, we'll, we'll get do it. Later. To it. <laughs> All right, no, fine. It's coming up later. This next one. Hi, I'm now hosting this podcast. <laughs> oh shit! Yes, you the, should. The, the <laughs> really should. 
This next segment is called The Force is Strong with This One. Oh, and The Force is super, super strong with this one. This is like, like Al's diary dream casting of a role for anything ever. It's like, oh, you know, Al was obsessed with that show Justified that had Timothy Oliphant as like this U.S. Marshal, modern Western, kicking ass every uh, every week. What if we put him in space? Boom. I With fucking, a nice chiseled I, jaw and oh. flecks of gray in a just perfect. I, I, Al, Al did, I, I actually literally, I didn't, my bosses don't listen to this, so I don't care if I say this. I just stopped working and watched the episode on my laptop. Well, I'm in my <laughs> kitchen. Who cares? I'm sorry, old lady from Florida who called me who doesn't understand how to turn her TV on. But <laughs> I literally messaged Al and I was like, you are going to die watching this episode because like, that first scene alone where he just takes the helmet off and starts talking. I'm like, I think Al wrote the dialogue, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go refresh a beverage so, and give my daughter a kiss goodnight. Yeah, so, uh, so Ken, well, we haven't heard from you in a little bit, so we'll talk about it. Uh, Ken's been humoring us with laughter. So. <laughs> no, Ken, Ken has just been like, when are we going to talk about Timothy Oliphant? When are we going to talk about his hair? Um <laughs> Yeah, Ken. Uh, what did you think about this week's like get you know major guest star? Um, and uh, you know, I, I guess that's it. I mean, what did you think of the fucking the man, the man, the the man myth legend, Timothy Oliphant? Well, just like you, Al, I am a big fan of Justified. And for people listening who have never seen Justified, I would just love to give like a very short idea of what it, the crux of it is like in terms yes, of the first please. episode. Because I think it sheds so much light on why this show is so great. The first episode of Justified starts with Timothy Oliphant as a marshal chasing a criminal. And he gets the criminal. They have an exchange. And he shoots him. And the show is called Justified because he is then uh, essentially relocated, almost like a punishment for that. But it's like this kind of examination where his superiors are like, you know, you did corner this criminal and like you had the you were justified, hence the title, in your choice of shooting this guy. But um you clearly enjoyed that and that's a problem. Like what the hell is that about? <laughs> what's incredible about how he is, is on The Mandalorian is that he is basically playing the same character from that show. And as a fan of that show and to be the elephant, I don't give a shit. Let him do that all every single day. I don't care. It was awesome. He fits so well in Star Wars. It's insane. It, yeah, you're 100% accurate. And uh, were you a fan of uh, The Good Place? Did you watch The Good Place on uh, NBC? I saw some of it, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, that's like the greatest spoiler of all time. I'm not going to say anything. Please watch The Good Place. I if did only... love him and Santa Clara Diet. Okay. Pretty, he's pretty he... funny in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. All right. So that my initial uh, point has been just thrown out of the water, but please watch a good place because uh, you're in for a little treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Ken, I'm obsessed, obsessed with Justified, and it's I one of the. I've never seen the show, and you guys are making me very interested in it. Well, he, it is so wild. It is it's violent so in a way where it's it, like any time. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about consequence. It's a show that any time there's a violent moment. There's two or three episodes after that where collectively all the characters are kind of like, what just happened? And why is that dude killing people? Like, he's yeah. killing people because he's, like, legally meant to, but yeah. he clearly likes it. 
I, I feel it, it so also, confused. I, I think I've always conflated. I think I thought that Justified and Deadwood were the same show. No, he just only plays cowboys. Is he in both of them? He yeah. is. Okay, and he's like a cowboy in both, yeah. right? Okay. So, okay, okay. So Deadwood is in the past, like right. legit cowboys. Yeah. Justified, he is a U.S. Marshal uh, who lives in Miami, or he works in Miami. He gets relocated to his... Um, his like hometown gotcha. in, uh, I believe it's in Kentucky. I have to double check, but um, the reason I think a people don't know the show is because this, the whole series aired before streaming was a big thing mm -hmm. and it was an FX show and FX just went to Hulu now. So all the FX programs were like justified. Wasn't available anywhere. It is now available on Hulu. It is. I can, I can't recommend it any higher. It, was it also gave us, it also gave us one of the greatest humans on the planet, Walton Goggins. Like, oh. it it made his career, um, you know, pre-Tarantino movies, uh, pre-being um, pre in his own. on CBS. Pre-The Unicorn, yeah. He's on a big, he's on a big CBS show. Um, the Righteous it, Gemstones. Oh, oh Righteous Predators. Gemstones. Pre Shut up. Where he plays. <laughs> God, Jesus. Sir, Predators is a good movie, dude. Predators, he was, he Predators. Was, like his character was like a convict who they basically were like, "Hey, go be Predators with a shank that you <laughs> yeah. made from a toothbrush," and you know what he did? <laughs> he kicked some ass. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it, but anyway, um, Predators. Okay. FX. Uh, like well, the other thing about Justified is like it was also marketed weird because this was like it was um, post the Shield. Uh -huh. And I almost mm -hmm. want to say pre – it started pre-American Horror Story. So it was like yes. kind of like a weird – it was kind of in this – it wasn't marketed well. I think if this show had premiered, like you were saying, out while streaming – like in the past three years, while streaming was, was popular, if this was a Netflix series, it would have been hugely popular. But it was just – it was just yeah. released and, in again, a, an odd time and it was like kind of like in the phase one – of the shield nip tuck which really put fx on the map as a hey here's a great cable destination but yeah and it's and it's not like i think nip tuck is trash personally i think it was not but at the time it was so at the time it was so nip tuck sorry so much i did not like that show i didn't but watch I it so say, i can't i can't say it, but it was so groundbreaking <laughs> it was such I a huge show it was so I audacious for basic cable and compared with the shield it was so big um also julian mcmahon was my uh great uncle's neighbor and my uncle said he was kind of a jerk but he said heath ledger hell of a guy I he lives in the like hollywood knowing, hills so you know i kind of like knowing julian mcmahon is a jerk because if you watch him talk enough you you get to a point where you're yeah. like there's no way this is a good person in real life this is yeah. i also <laughs> is that the I guy also, who plays dr doom <laughs> yes it is I yeah, also he does not seem like a nice person. It all goes back to fan four sticks. <laughs> yes. I also went, uh, was in a, a job interview and walked past an Irish pub, and uh, Dylan Walsh was getting hammered, day drinking. And I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, he was going nice. back, I waved to him. And he's like, hey, <laughs> going back to Timothy Oliphant. But I will say, the last thing I'll say about Justified is um, it's also one of those shows that uh, – which I think is super rare, which stays consistent throughout. There is no dip in quality, and you can no. even say that it gets better over time. 
there's a there's like a villain each season. Each villain is complex and captivating and uh, pretty amazing. Like, again, it was it's if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a long time, it's worth a watch or a rewatch. Timothy Oliphant is fucking great in that and brings us back all the way around to uh, the first episode of season two of The Mandalorian, where uh, Cobb Vanth, I believe is his name, um, he's rocking maybe one of the most iconic costumes of all time. I, I mean, arguably, uh, yes. uh, he's in fucking goddamn Boba Fett armor. And it's mind-boggling that we are living in a world where we're getting to see Boba Fett not only reincarnated, but on his own goddamn television show. Um, you know, I think, Bill, you mentioned earlier that Justin Trank, even though his name's Josh, uh, was was rumored, I don't think it was ever confirmed, was supposed to do a Boba Fett uh, spinoff, solo movie, prequel, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That, of course, never came to fruition, yeah. especially in a post-Fan 4-stick world. Never going to happen. Um, and now, you know, we're going to see, we've already kind of seen Boba Fett on television, but now, uh, you know, with the, the end teaser, uh, we, uh, it looks like that the Boba Fett armor, this this Mandalorian Beskar, is uh, much, much bigger than this one episode. Um, Kat, mm-hmm. what did you think of Mr. Timothy Oliphant? Um, and... You know, I think you briefly mentioned, like, you'd want to see more of him, or you thought that this was a one-and-done kind of scenario. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to see more of him because he, he, he like, brought life to a lot of... There's a lot of times in The Mandalorian where I feel like everyone's, like, walking around and looking cool, but they're not, like... They don't always feel like real people. So it was kind of cool that he was so obviously, like, this this like cowboy villain who's like, yeah, fuck it. Found this uh, armor. It's mine now. And he seems a little dismissive to um, Tuscan Raiders. But anyway, um, I, I very much enjoyed him specifically that like first exchange with him and Mando in the, I was going to call it a pub, but I guess cantina. You call um, it a pub because I'm of my presence. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. The space pub. Um, <laughs> Where they started talking, and almost immediately, I was like, is he going to, like, order frijoles? This feels exactly like the scene from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> in which he's going off, uh, going against um, Leonardo DiCaprio, whose character's name was Cobb in Inception. Wow, everything comes full circle. Um, Fuck, only Cat would do that. Only wow. <laughs> Cat um, would like, piece that together. I love it. Yeah, no, it was really cool, and I like that he was, I liked that Mando ended up being kind of the uh, mediary between Timothy Oliphant, who's like, you know, fuck Tuscan Raiders, like, I'm not drinking their shitty water milk that came out of a heifer or something, and um, and Mando being like, you're disrespecting them, and anyway, I, I really liked that dynamic. And I would like if a character like that stuck around from episode to episode. I think that we will see him again. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, Bill, hey, well, well, what did you think of Mister uh, Cobbmanth? I loved it. Um, there's no one who could have played this role. I mean, no. it was it was tailor made for Timothy Oliphant, and he brought a dynamic of this. 
a long drawled, sarcastic, laid back character that we've never had in the show. And it was a very cool dynamic to the very serious, very intense Mandalorian. But Timothy Oliphant, as he does, except if you watch his early guest star on Sex in the City, where he was best known for a character with a tongue ring. I've seen that episode like 4,000 times. Um, Bill, It's my wife's favorite show. So Didn't want that. Didn't want times. that image. <laughs> Bill, you can't just drop that in the middle of a discussion. What are you talking about? He he was on an episode of Sex in the City where he had a... Like, the whole thing was, like, his character, he was, like, a bar t- like a younger guy. He had, like, a tongue ring and, like... Sarah Jessica Parker's character was like super into it because she's like, oh, guy with the tongue ring, that's pretty cool. And it was like, it's weird. Whatever. That's the 90s shit I've ever heard. Bro. Bro. Andy Cohen's also. Simpler times. Yeah. Anyway, Um, keep going. And anyway, I've seen a lot of. I've seen Sex and the City and Gilmore Girls about 4,000 times from start to finish, all the way through in the 13 years I've been with my wife. 10 year anniversary this weekend. So. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we were planning on actually going on a honeymoon this year, but bum, 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 COVID. And, um, but Timothy Oliphant has this way of just imbuing like great um, humanity into his roles. And I think he was, he was great here. And I think that it was wonderful. And I, you're definitely going to see him, whether it's going to be multiple episodes or that, as we can't go a podcast without talking about the show, a DuckTales uh, season ender where everyone shows up at the end. Excuse me. Um, and it was perfect Timothy Alphon. It was funny. It was sincere. It was dramatic. It was gruff and, and, oh, I don't understand people. And then, oh, wait, I finally have the revelation. It, and, and what lent to the episode was it kind of had this dragon hunt slash safari like 1950s safari movie feel to it and uh it worked perfectly because of him and uh if you had anyone else in that role and and that was another fear i had about this episode we're going back to tatooine that was not a good episode we saw what happened when we saw uh young bobby Cannavale jr or whatever the heck his name is come in there and i'm like this episode is garbage it was just not good and Mm -hmm. They made the most of this, and I don't think that happens without T- Timothy Alphonse being in it. And, um, man, yeah, just the visual of him having basically looking like a cowboy under underneath the Boba Fett gear, but wearing the Boba Fett gear, it didn't look weird. It didn't look forced. It looked very natural on him. Also, we found out what the thing does on the back of his backpack, on his jet. It's a missile! I didn't know yeah. that. Also, the well, thing on his helmet. I didn't know it was like a tracking device. That's cool. So, hey, good for you guys. So <laughs> I'm so also on my like, third Tullamore Dew, so I apologize as a, in advance. As a collector slash like toy comic nerd, I knew of that because back in the day, in the 70s, they, there was um, a like um, promo where you like sent in like coupons. On, uh, you know, uh, like cereal box top, or whatever box. it was at the point, cereal top, something like that. It was like you had to buy so many figures, and then you could try to get the uh, the the Boba Fett toy. And they made these prototypes where it had a missile. 
that shot out, but they were worried about choking hazards. They were worried, they were worried about a choking hazard for kids, now. so they never released it. There are a few prototypes that have made it out into the wild, and it's like the holy grail of Star Wars collectors and toy collectors um, are these uh, prototype Boba Fett toys. So I knew of that, but we just never had seen it. And it's fucking awesome to finally see it. Uh, I totally agree. One thing I will say before we go into the next segment is going back to a little bit of justified the Raylan Givens of it all. If you've watched or read anything about the making of The Mandalorian, um, they have John Wayne's son, I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure, as one of the stunt doubles. I think, uh, grandson. I think his grandson. 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 John Wayne's grandson is Because uh, I was one about to drop some John Wayne knowledge on you right there. Thank you. <laughs> That's John way too Wayne's, many of his movies. John Wayne's grandson is one of the stunt doubles for uh, for Mando because he is one of the only people in the entire world or the only person that knows how to do the John Wayne walk, that legendary mm -hmm. walk that we've seen in the dozens and dozens of cowboy films that Wayne was in. Timothy Oliphant is, like, not going to say modern-day John Wayne, but, like, he is the modern cowboy like Raylan Givens was a, you know, the, and justified was a modern Western. So but it was such an easy translation to have him in this space cowboy show. And like, I think it was such a no brainer to cast him. And I'm pretty sure that when they were deciding on this role of like, Hey, who's going to, who's going to have the mandal, who's going to have Boba Fett's armor um, all this time. If it's not Boba Fett, Oh, we should give it to Timothy Oliphant because he's the only one who can fucking make it work. Because I don't think anyone else would have made it work. He, You saw him standing in that doorway and you're like, man, that's him. That's it. I mean, there's one other it, person who could have made it work. But he's too old now. Clint? Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt Russell. Hell yeah. Hell Girl, yeah. don't add Al. Don't Kurt Russell is a fucking treasure. I love, I love Kurt Russell. I'm just saying, I don't think he. I, I think Timothy Oliphant was the right age because it kind of matched. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you know Kurt what I mean? Was like old, it was, but, yeah. It was. He was almost because when he stood in that doorway and he looked at him the first time before he takes the helmet off, it's almost like I found. God, a, like no, I yeah, oof, no, that's what I said. <laughs> I, I think he felt, he felt, he felt. He's like, I found someone, uh, uh, um, an equal, someone of my my yeah. my caliber. Before he takes that helmet off, he's like, like I don't know, I don't have a read on this person because I don't know if he is gonna kill me or we're gonna be best buds. Like I love that, and of course, and like the way he was talking in the helmet and everything right before he takes it off that I don't think anyone else would have played it that way. That's kind of how, like when I met my wife, you know? I'm just like, is she going to kill me? <laughs> I'm going to get married and have a kid. Luckily I'm not dead. So, Oh my God. That's uh, true love. Honestly, Al, the, yeah. the way you talk about Timothy, I'm like, we should send him this podcast on sad days. It might really <laughs> like pick him up a little bit. Like, wow, like he really thinks that. He might, put a <laughs> he might put a restraining order to me and Ken though. Oh, no, bro. no. I feel like Timothy Oliphant. Like, there's certain people you you see in Hollywood. Like, if you invited that guy over from like, bro, 
we got a 30 rack over here. We're grilling. <laughs> I'll put some college football on. You want to come over? Be like, sure. Yeah, he seems chill. He's I also very... like the descendant of some like crazy rich, like old school, old money family in America, by the way. Oh. I read, and I, I now have to look that up. I want to say it's the like the Vanderbilts or something like that, but it's like. I mean, Oliphant definitely sounds like. We're part Old of money. the Boston Oliphants. <laughs> yeah, that last name is yeah. a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel man. embarrassed. Right. I feel embarrassed admitting that I have always, most likely because I haven't seen Justin. He's a Vanderbilt. He's a, he's like a Vanderbilt like descendant. I think. Wait, really? Yeah, like well, unless Wikipedia is full of shit. Um, so does that make him related to Anderson Cooper? I, I mean, in a perfect world, yes. <laughs> Like, imagine that buddy cop movie. Yeah. What were you going to say, Kat? I was going to say they have similar... Oh, sorry, Kat. No, you said they had a similar facial. I do think that's true. Um, What I was going to say was, I feel very embarrassed to admit this now, but I have always mentally confused Timothy Oliphant with Josh Duhamel. You shouldn't, because I do the same thing. Okay, okay, good. When I was watching the episode, I was like, oh yeah, was he in... Win a date with Tad Hamilton? Is, <laughs> is he Tad was, Hamilton? No. Is he Tad Hamilton? No, that no. was Josh Duhamel. No, but he was in The Girl Next Door. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yes. was the douchebag boyfriend, wasn't he's he? The, he's the villain in The Girl Next Door. Yeah. So yeah. Can, I, can, I, can, I get, can I tell you guys like a, a weird mix-up when I was like a little kid, when I was a wee lad? So mm-hmm. I used to have a teddy bear. And I... When I was a kid, I used to watch um, Little House on a Prairie. I was like four or five. It was on in syndication. Classic. Yeah, I'm old. Um, so my teddy bear, I always used to con- confuse Michael Landon, star of Little House on a Prairie, mm-hmm. and Charles Bronson, star of Death Wish. <laughs> so I had a teddy bear named Charles Bronson. Oh, my God. Oh I thought it was God. Michael Landon, though. I'm like, yeah, it's Charles Bronson, the guy from Little House on a Prairie. So... No. Yes, but yeah, if you ever wanted to know, I had a teddy bear named Charles Bronson. That, that is so long. That's on that, brand. That is the sweetest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life, especially <laughs> as someone who definitely knows who Charles Bronson is and also Michael Landon. These two men cannot be more different. That's so different. <laughs> so different. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I figured I'm like, I'm like, I can't leave Cat on a story like that without bringing up my Charles Bronson teddy bear. Thank story. you. Thank you. <sighs> we, uh, we're we're going to move on like, to... like, why did I come on this podcast? Oh, man. I love it. Ken, you, you asked for it. Um, we're going to move on to our, our it's a final... Kiss album. Uh, you wanted the best, you got the best. Our final Mandalorian segment. It's not. To... <laughs> we have, like, it is. Do we, we have two more. Oh, one? man. Oh, we we can talk about yeah, no, Baby Yoda time. Oh, yeah, that's why. It's a quick one. So uh, we're going to do Stop, It's Baby Yoda Time, uh, just to check in on uh, the world's um, most adorable uh, little something. We don't really know what it is, but, uh, you know, the child, everyone we love. Me and uh, Bill are currently (laughs) rocking Mandalorian uh, shirts, while Ken and Kat are doing their best impression of uh, his ears. Um, Yes. Oh, don't ask me to judge. They really remind me of my dog's ears. Well, he's they a corgi. He's literally built to be a, a baby Yoda. Yeah. yeah. Very adorable. Uh, but yeah, so 
the the thing that surprised me the most about the premiere was not a ton of Baby Yoda, but when he was used, just gold, just mm-hmm. gold. The my favorite moment being in the beginning when because he's been with Mando so long, he knew exactly when danger was approaching, so he sh- shut the little uh you know his little crib. Fucking so cute. I can I tell um, you I cringed at that moment. Why? Because it was too cute. Because no, because it was in the trailer. So that was like feeding into my fears of, oh shit, they're really going to lean into this way too much. That's fair. That's that? fair. And then when they, in the in the moment, and we all know who Gore Koresh, his voice was, right? It, it, no. Mr. John, Mr. John Leguizamo. Uh, oh, yes. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm in everything. Dude, as we said on the Pop Break, uh, the TV Break podcast on Pop Break, if that man can play Luigi... He can play anything. He's great. He's literally. Ken, has, thank you so I'm, much I'm for just double checking. That. <laughs> I'm double checking his film credits. Oh yeah, it is seven billion. No, um, <laughs> he's been in a hundred and forty-four things. Well, he's also in this because he's really good friends with John Favreau. Is he correct? Was he, was in, he was in. Chef. Oh, I didn't great see movie. Chef, so I didn't. Is it good? <gasps> Oh, Bill, you got to see yeah. it. I'm five years that's behind a, on movies, guys. That's what happened. That's a kid does. That's a Bill Bodkin movie, if I ever saw it. It is. Okay. What about a fat guy who eats stuff? Okay. <laughs> no, it's about. It's also about a father and son relationship. And if you're really interested, you could hear me go on and on about how it's really a metaphor for the Iron Man movies and how Marvel uh, tries to ruin things. So uh, Chef goes and makes his own little small project, a.k.a. he starts his own food truck. So you could hear yeah, me talk I do about love that. food trucks. Yeah, it's I'm also, about, it's also about, it's like, I think it's also just about like rediscovering your love for why you do what you do or what you want to do, right? So, or you can just it, listen to a, Ken's podcast. That's true. <laughs> Could just do that. all comes um, That's true. So, uh, everyone, quickly, uh, just just favorite Baby Yoda moment from from this week. Uh, I kind of stole the big one, but if there's any other ones you want to jump in on, uh, we'll start with Bill. Uh, the part where he hides in a jar in the bar. I'm just <laughs> like, smart play, adorable. Thank you. Cat. Um, I like the indiscernible noises that Baby Yoda makes because it reminds me of my cat. <laughs> yeah. He he goes like, mm-hmm. "Can I ask a question? Was he yes. was he more verbal or or audible in these episodes than than in uh, season one? Because I felt like he definitely was, and that you know makes sense. He's 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 growing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure if he was more audible than years before." I don't or know, episodes I, before, not years before, I should say. Sorry. Just the fact that he he makes sounds. Um, also, a, a, a slight tangent. Apologies, Al. I know you want to kill me. But re- related to Baby Yoda, it's gotten to the point where memes have destroyed my brain. And I'm like, is he going to ask for chicken nuggets in this episode? Chicken nuggies. Chalky milk and chicken nuggies. I'm like, did that happen in the episode and I missed it? How did everyone, like, incept this? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's uh, the best. I love that. Uh, I wish there was, like, an outtake of it. <laughs> but I also am glad there's no outtake of it. Uh, Here's what I would prefer. Instead of an outtake of him saying Chicky Nuggies, I wish someone paid Werner Herzog to say Chicky Nuggies. Yeah. By the way, just, 
by the way, my- I'm gonna I'm gonna bring wrestling back into this for a second. Look up Werner Herzog in WrestleMania. Even if you don't like wrestling, reading about this act acclaimed actor's like obsession with wrestling and oh I think Jackie Chan movies is Same. the weirdest rabbit hole you want to go down. He is David Lynchian in his just like bizarreness. And, and also the and reason we have ran- a real child. Because they were going to CGI, mm-hmm. he's like, you cannot do that. It's a terrible impersonation. I'm sorry. No, it's you need to get Cole on. Remember, Cole does really good Werner Cole Herzog. Does good. Where is he, he right now? Where is he? Just bring him on to do it now. I will. Hang on. Ken, yes. Ken tell, us about, tell us about your favorite Baby Yoda moment. Again, Kat, better host than both Al or I. 100%. Agreed. Oh, Ken, you might be on mute. You are on mute. There we go. Oh, that's hilarious. How did I not see that? Uh, you're <laughs> because you're just listening to us acting like jerks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been hilarious. I was going to say that uh, Bill took what my uh, favorite oh, moment I'm was. Sorry. But, but I do, do have a second favorite moment, and it's one of those things that's so little and consequential that it just adds to the cuteness. When. Um, when Mando first gets to like the cantina and he gets off the speeder bike, it's a really cute moment where um, I noticed that he gets off the speeder bike and goes right to the cantina. And in my head, I was like, where's Baby Yoda? He's just going to leave him on the bike. And then when you see Timothy Oliphant and the the Boba Fett armor comes in, come in, you then the next shot is like little Baby Yoda waddling into the cantina, sticking his head out like, hey, I'm here. And it was just... It's such a random moment, but it's so adorable. He just like got jumped off the bike and walked himself to the cantina. It's just it's cute. Bef- uh, and I, I want to hear uh, Cole because he just joined. I want to hear his amazing Werner Herzog impression. But <laughs> I I I haven't told anyone this, and I haven't read about it, so I might be just talking out of my ass. So when they go to go find the cave where the tremor is or whatever the uh, the big uh, sand sandworm guy the crate dragon sir yes the i was crate... like thank you ken but for correcting it, it, the tremor thing is, come is on that not even that's what it what is don't, it, don't they call it the crate dragon but it's not actually that like there's an actual like star warsian name for it no, no. it's an actual crate dragon. oh it's a crate dragon okay. yeah they call it nice that, yeah. the old republic motherfucker oh there you oh! go see did he just fucking school you bro Love it. Ken said he was going to go deep. Okay, so Big great, great dragon. Uh, sorry, uh, Ken. Ken's not even uh, drinking right now that we know of. I know. And he just called you a motherfucker. <laughs> did, did anyone think, and this is me again. Just spit it's it out, been, bro. It's been long. Nope, I got I to gotta drag it out. It's been long, and I can't figure it out. My brain hurts. Mando's on a, on a, on a speed bike, speeder bike. Did it seem that Cobb Vanth was driving an old pod racing engine. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's amazing. It looked like it looked like Anakin's pod race engine. Like that's what it yeah. reminded me of. You know that it wasn't Anakin's because there wasn't a small child sized helmet conveniently in there, which there <laughs> when Anakin pops There in. were no Metachlorians around there, Al. <laughs> okay. But that's what it was though, right? Like that's what yeah. we were made to believe. Sure. Like they were like repurposed one of the engines i mean i wish it. It, i basically i wished it was like luke's like speeder that would have been more oh, fun 
God, no. I think oh, that... Fuck I think that was too much, maybe, though. It would have been too much. But we never listen, we never saw pod racing post Phantom Menace. Good. So like, I, that's the best fucking part of Phantom Menace. Cool. That's like saying, let's talk about the best thing Trump's done as a president. I mean, it's not exactly a we're high bar. We're gonna talk politics, Bill. I didn't I, I didn't go into anything too political. Well, <laughs> it's fine. He's gonna yeah, I was gonna say we brought up Phantom Menace, so we have to talk we, we, we basically we basically <laughs> listen. Phantom Menace is basically just a political drama. It uh, is, uh, but yeah, we brought Warner Herzog out for uh, a special guest yeah. on this podcast, and he has to go back to work like real soon. Yep. Okay, um, do do the the bounty hunting. Do it. Okay, this is Cole. I, I'm sorry. Actually, this is we Warner know. Herzog. Cole's like the fifth host of this podcast. Um. I'm sorry, I won't look at you. Hunting is a dangerous profession, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, it's so fucking good. It's eerily dead on. No, it's It's, really good. It's not only only eerily dead on, but like he gets into it. I love that. Uh, You guys should get married. I'll fly out to California and officiate for free. I don't care. (laughs) Officiating. Do the voice as if you were Baby Yoda asking for chicken nuggets. <laughs> so it's Werner Herzog. You're Werner Herzog. You're Werner Herzog. You're at McDonald's. Or, yeah. yeah. God, what and, is this podcast even about? And the only thing you want <laughs> is some chicken nuggets. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, what are the different... Uh, <laughs> But you have to cut that out. Um, <laughs> no, it's so good. Okay. So, he's at McDonald's. And he wants chicken nuggets. How many different combinations of chicken McNuggets can you order? Uh, you can get four, please, six, please, or ten, please. <laughs> Is it at all possible... To get the 20 piece. tears. By the way, this is going to sound like bullshit, but I have oh. such few children in the orbit of my life that I absolutely didn't know that some kids refer to them as chicken nuggets. So that's something else that's pretty funny. <laughs> When I bought you 40 chicken McNuggets. Oh, yeah. He texted me. And he's like, I have a surprise for you. I'm like, oh, what is it? He bought 40 chicken nuggets. I was like, do you think I'm going to eat all of this? Also, well, you're well, you save it for tomorrow. What's wrong with you? Yes. Yeah, bro, just get some welcome. honey mustard. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Say, say thank you and move on. Okay, just well, give I... this man a kiss on the cheek. Move on. It's fine. Sounds like marriage material if you ask me. <laughs> again. Again. Uh, I, I, I did Al's I did Al's wedding and I did a great yeah. job except I sweat through my suit. Um, we all did. we all did. It was terrible. It was 150 degrees that day. But um, Cole, um, I don't know if um, listen if the whole working in animation thing doesn't work out, you would be a great Werner Herzog voice actor. Yeah. That was a great. There is a need for you. Oh my god. I don't think he'll ever die. 
that's true. He was shocked and stirring an interview. Yeah, did you guys see that? What? Oh my god, you need to find it on YouTube. Someone is interviewing him about something innocuous. He is shot in the middle of the interview. With like a like a air pellet. Gun. Like an air pellet, but close enough that it could cause damage. He starts bleeding. Werner Herzog keeps talking, and the guy who's interviewing him, "Were <laughs> you just shot?" And he's like, "Oh." It's about a flesh wound. Like, he didn't yeah. say that, but basically he did. He was like, yes, there is a little blood. <laughs> 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 the, the, the best is when this one guy, <laughs> how many different languages do you speak? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Not that many. English, German, uh, French. Spanish. French. Uh, Italian. He, it, it, he names like almost Italian. every language, and you're like, okay. Speak a little French, although you would have to put a gun to my head to do it. By the way, no, that literally <laughs> Oh, yeah. We're going to put some clips oh after. Oh, my God. Okay. Please do. Story We're going to go filming a movie in Africa, and then he got held up by like some child soldiers or something. Oh, or, yeah. And, they were like drunk and high, but like some of them were like ten. He said, uh-huh. and they they threatened to shoot him if he didn't speak uh, French. Remember how this was a Star Wars podcast? It still it is. It still is. It still <laughs> is. This is canon. Someone in a Star Wars thing. That's yes. true. Oh That's my true. god, Cole! Thank you so much, Cole. For you were us a fucking for the insane. Br- for, for our weekly Werner Herzog segment that I'm going to probably add to this pod, um, I I think we're going to have to like get you to do something. Like I feel like yeah. like our segments should be just be introduced by you as Werner Herzog. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, moving on to the final segment of the uh, Mandalorian uh, aspect it? of this podcast. It is the final one. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it is called "Is This the Way?" This is just our our quick. Um, Oh, you know, just overall, Jesus like, Christ. score slash, you know, how we felt about the episode. Uh, we've kind of go, gone into detail about <sighs> different moments. But just, you know, let's just give it a, uh, I was going to say letter grade, but I'm trying to think if there's a more fun Star Wars-esque. Parsecs. Uh, ooh, yeah, let's do that. We'll do some parsecs. So... On a scale of one to five parsecs, five being the highest amount of parsecs, um, what do you rate this episode? And we'll start with Cat. Um, it's one out of five, not one out of ten. Uh, yeah. I well, guess. Uh, well, how fast did Han Solo do the Kessel run in? Twelve. Twelve. Well, then it's one out of twelve. Okay. So- one to twelve, Jesus. Right, Jesus, we're be, we're this is Star Wars, man. You gotta yeah, like Werner back here now. get Werner back here. You're sounding like me, Al, just like shitting on everything and I love it. Generally being mm-hmm. negative about something that I claim to enjoy. Um, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I like how uh, Al and I, like the the the, the host of the podcast, are the other one tricking. Yeah. Only way we can get this done. Um, <laughs> survive life. Okay. Okay. I I would give this um uh nine out of twelve uh parsecs. 
Um, really solid action. So, something that none of us mentioned that I do want to talk about is this show visually is stunning. Oof. And I don't know uh, where this is on Disney Plus because it's like a nightmare perusing that service. But something where they showed how they've shot some of the scene, they've used like curved green screen or yeah. something. It's in it, the um, Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian series. I want right. to say episode four or five. Yeah. It's it looks so good. Um, nothing looks like cheap. Um, the acting was really good. My only qualms are maybe we have some more Baby Yoda. Um, we're definitely missing Werner Herzog, so we should bring him back. And From the also, dead. and also, I would say just like gen- generally, a f- like a few more characters who I could connect with. But I think a really good start to a season. I'm excited to see where it will it will go. And to see if we find out anything new about Baby Yoda, since we actually don't know anything about him, mm-hmm. even his name. That's very true. Uh, Bill. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this um, 10 out of 12 parsecs, because it was great. It was a great start to the season. I think there's a couple, if you listen to the uh, TV Break podcast on thepopbreak.com, which is available on uh, Spotify Anchor, Google and Apple Podcasts. Um, there are some logic gaps here. Like, why didn't you just send Abantha into the Great Dragon to begin with instead of like digging this trench? I know you wanted, you know, obviously reasons so we could have a longer episode. Um, <clears throat> and a couple things here and there, like logically, that were like, eh, you know, I get it, but at the same time, wasn't s- the smoothest. Uh, but it was so much fun. It was great to have this show back. And like I said, I love the emotional involvement uh, of, uh, not involvement, but evolvement of Mando. Loved his chemistry with Timothy Oliphant. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Reminded me of like uh, John Wayne, Dean Martin from Rio Bravo. Thinking it back to my days as a youth watching Westerns with my dad. And um, great action. Great uh, great special effects, and um, I like that we're like. I also was a little uh, kind of weird, like thinking that Mando would allow uh, Cobb Vant to keep the armor after everything that had happened, but he did take it. So I'm very interesting, especially. And we haven't talked about the big thing with with is this Boba Fett or not? But we know it. Tamar Matheson. It was he played uh, Jango Fett in the Attack of the Clones, the second prequel movie. And everyone is a, all the stormtroopers were clones of him, you know. So who is he? What is he? I think that's going to be a great storyline going forward. I don't know if it's going to be the main storyline going forward because we still have the Jedi involvement. We still have these, you know, tra- traipsing along the galaxy of where this is going. Like, where are we going to go? Like, going different planets, find out the Mandalorians. Uh, where's the forger because she's still alive? Like, that's a good question. Like, is she going to come back? Cause she was a great character. And, um, you know, when are we going to get back to Cara Dune and grief? Like grief Karga, I want to say is his name. And, and <laughs> where's Gus Fring? Cause Ma- you know, Moff Ma- 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 Gideon, I believe Moff Ma- Gideon. Where's him and the, the black lightsaber, man, because the dark that, saber, it's the dark saber because whatever it's called is, it's going to fuck some people up. And, yeah. um, and like, it's, it's like, there's so many places we can go with this. So I'm very excited where we can take this. Uh, so yeah, awesome episode. I, I watched it twice in one day. Sorry, job, but 
Mando matters way more than you do. My opinion. Very true. Uh, Ken, what's your parsec rating? Uh, I think I will also be giving this 10 out of 12. And kind of piggybacking off of something Kat mentioned, visually, this episode is so stunning. And, you know, a Star Wars TV show is always going to be expensive. But I think in contrast from what we saw in season one, it's so clear that the budget is more here and that it's used. I mean, even though they have those, like, screens, it's so clear that they went to, like, Jordan to where they film usually Tatooine and Tunisia. And it's just wild to think that they spent that much money to just shoot an hour's worth of television to that degree. And also what's amazing in that context, I mean, along the fact that, like, every, like, shot looks like it could be, like, a wallpaper for your computer. In these, like, pandemic times, it's so nice to watch something that just transports you somewhere else. Like, you really feel like you're in the thick of it. Even in the last 20 minutes when the crate dragon is, like, fighting the Tusken Raiders and the citizens, like, the way the camera is, like, framing everything, you feel like you're in the thick of it. Like, oh, fuck, is this dragon attacking me? Is that acid getting me too? um, Acid was such a great addition. I loved it. Oh, it was so great. And I'll just say one more thing about Timothy Oliphant, because I missed out on bringing this about him, is that what I think what we love about him, like to kind of distill it, is the fact that, yes, he's a talented actor, but he's able to exhume charisma in a way that feels so effortless that it's kind of, it's mind-blowing. Like, it's just like, by just the way the guy stands, the way the guy walks, the way he might whisper, it's just like, it, it's really refreshing to watch a Star Wars thing and see that an actor can insert themselves in it and not the other way around. So I hope we'll see that going forward where other people who come in, they'll be able to add their personalities to it and have it fit really well in the context of Star Wars. So 10 out of 12. I love that, I love that statement that you just made about how he yeah. was interject his personality in Star Wars, not the other way around. Like, that was perfect. Like, and, and we haven't seen that, man. Like, oh. Wonderful, love it. Is it Thank safe you. to say that we haven't seen it since Harrison Ford? Like, in terms of like, I mean, it's hard. just a presence like that of, of an actor in Star Wars, right? Like, I think, I think you'd be cheating to say when we get to see Luke again in the new trilogy because we'd already seen him. But like, I don't think we've had a new character since Han that has just like the charisma, the just by, like I said, when he was standing in that doorway, I got chills, chills. Like I have not seen that. Were since probably on solo. We're going to say, I said, yeah, they, they were. I just want to make a grease reference to the Star Wars podcast. Um, I think you're totally forgetting someone else. Al, who exudes a lot of charisma specifically in their capes and no, not Darth Vader. Who are we talking about? Uh, Han Solo's frenemy. Oh, yeah, Lando. Yeah, I would say, no, but I'm saying since. Yeah. Since then, yeah, no, but I, I, I agree. I would even say maybe maybe uh, Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando. I mean. He was hamming it up, for sure. He really fucking was. That was like, <laughs> he, that was, he, was, he was like a Christmas ham on that one. I love I want to throw I, a couple pineapples on it after the tinsel. Like, be fucking personally, great. Personally, personally, I, I loved it. 
Is it controversial? Because I don't think I've ever discussed this with any of you. Is it controversial to say the actor that played Han actually wasn't objectively that bad? Am I, I crazy? To think of that? I agree with you. I totally okay. agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally. I actually think his performance, I'm so sorry, Al. I think that Alden Ehrenreich's performance as Han Solo was better than Donald Glover's as Lando because oh, it was. Glover felt like he was doing a Lando impression. Meanwhile, I think Alden Ehrenreich was just doing like he wasn't doing a Harrison Ford impression. He was just playing the, the role. Anytime I rewatch Solo, I look at Donald Glover and I'm like, why are you whispering? I yeah. feel like I feel like it's a, le- a little easier to play Lando than Han because you could just be this flashy playboy type character, whereas like there's a lot of work you got to do with Han. Yes, because a lot of people are also very critical of the Billy D performance. They're like, it's not good. Like if you look back at like some of them, like it's just Billy D being Billy D, not really acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but to me, I'm just like it's also fucking perfect. But like. Yeah. Like Billy D. Williams, I think his performance is cool. And, and also, I, I, when he I comes back and Rise of Skywalker, come on, so good. Yeah. But it's Kat, just, I'll I'll yeah. allow it, Cat. I, I, oh, I have thanks, no I have no objections. Thanks. No objections. I'll, I'll allow it. Thanks for I actually, allowing I, it. I like I like. Uh, uh, get, Alden, uh, Alden Einenreich gets a raw deal. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's his name, Bill? I'm pretty Brother, sure. Brother, I don't know how to say his last name. It's Alden with an E. But the man who plays Han Solo in Solo, I think it's a raw deal because he had to play a much more iconic and tougher role because you're also, not only is it Han Solo, but it's Harrison Ford, who is like, if you were talking about the modern John Wayne, I mean, Harrison Ford is this, the last 30 to 40 years, version of john wayne like this ultimate american alpha male macho hero whether he's han solo or jack ryan or indiana jones like billy d williams as much as we love lando he's not on the level that harrison ford is on and like so it's a much harder and thankless and more hypercritical criticized role as han solo than i think as donald glover as lando calrissian so yeah Alden, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, I think he he had a much harder uh, road to home. He crushed it. I thought I I think Solo Solo is wildly underrated. It's super underrated. I, I've I've liked it. I've liked it better with every. It's viewing. it's a caper movie that we just basically put in Star Wars. It, it was yeah. development hell, and all of the shit that came out in the process of making it like soured everything. I had every reason to hate everything about Solo. I was like, I, I love Harrison Ford. I love Han Solo. I was like, why the fuck are they making this movie? And why are they putting the girl with the dragons in it? Like, for fuck's sake! But honestly, it was good. I enjoyed it. There was it's a lot of fun. There's yeah, only the, stupid parts, them. and the there only yeah. The biggest issue with the movie is that it just came out way too soon after another Star Wars movie. That, that people, was the biggest that problem was with it. Highly divisive, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was just too, too much. Uh, after a very divisive one, yeah, agreed. Also, um, a man at the checkpoint said, "What's your last name?" Oh, uh, the worst oh, line in history. Oh, Jesus it's not though, because it was already it was it was encapsulated. It was it was Alfred brought to another. Hitting me. It. I, You're I, being chided by Cat. Just take it. <laughs> what fucking else is new? 
cat. Do you, do you know what? It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been as bad as if you, if you didn't have a whole two second shot where you saw the guy contemplate it. That's what did it. He just stopped and he looked in the air and he's kind of like, ah, solo. <laughs> yeah. But again, and the only I'm not defending it. I will not defend it. I will say that I believe that the same exact moment at the end of Rise of Skywalker is worse. No. We're not. So. We're not I talking that, about that. Earned. Wait, can, can, can I actually talk about the most mind blowing? Is it? Thing? Is it earned? It makes yes. no goddamn sense. You, you're gonna. You're gonna argue Ken Grand Pierre on this, <laughs> right? He is yeah. an esteemed guest. He's gonna crush you in his better. explanation. I think, I think it's Wait. dumb. We, we all need to talk about the most bizarre moment in Solo, which nobody talks about, and I guess I'm the only asshole. I know, I know exactly I know exactly what you're about to bring Because I probably texted you about it after Ken. Ken and I frequently text about Star Wars, but it is absolutely insane to me. So I, I think this is Han is trying to escape, and they're, like, at the checkpoint. It's it's not too far after the Solo last name bullshit. But in the, in the background is a propaganda video of the Empire playing, and... Out of the video, you hear the Imperial March. Who the fuck wrote that in Star Wars? Is John Williams in Star Wars? Yes, he is. He's he's, he's in the Empire. Literally, he's in the propaganda department. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That song exists in Star Wars? So when we hear it in the movie, like, does Vader have, like, a Bluetooth, like, speaker that's playing when he walks? What? I I don't remember what oh I don't God. remember what podcast Does he it have was. A Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> if he did, it'd be amazing. I don't remember. I don't remember what podcast it was, but we were talking about how I I had heard a podcaster that I like. But they were reviewing was it Ralph Garman because it's the only podcast you talk about. Yeah, it was actually Ralph Garman, of course. Uh, yeah. It was Ralph. It was Ralph on Kevin Smith's. Uh, it was on. I think either Hollywood. Is it Kevin Smith? No, but it's it was it's specifically Ralph's. Like he didn't. He hated Man of Steel, right? And a reason that he hated it is he's a lifelong Superman fan for you know years and years and years. And he said one of the things that bothered him right off the get go was in the beginning you see young Clark Kent running around playing on the field and he, he puts on the cape. Yeah, he puts on the fucking cape. And stands like Superman stands, and it's like, where did he get that? Where did you learn that, asshole? Superman was the first superhero. <laughs> it makes no sense. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that a point of contention? Really? Yeah, no, I'm like, no, this. That's, that's a... No, no, no. That's not a big, like, fan thing. That's something that annoyed him, but it is 100% true, though. It's like... There's, like, so... little kids in India doing that right now who don't know Superman. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> I don't know if that's back, true. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back in on that one. That's I don't know if that's true, but the idea, <laughs> uh, the idea of the modern superhero mm-hmm. was invented in like 1939 in yeah. Action Comics with Superman with the cape and everything and the flying and and the, the hands and all that kind of stuff. Like, how does he know that? Like, there's no superheroes before him. I, I remember that was in the trailer too, and what. Yeah. what what makes it especially egregious is that it's like a red towel. Yes. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's something where I'm like, okay, I get why people be annoyed, but it's fine. However, John Williams scored a propaganda film for the empire in solo. What the fuck? Do you know what's funny about what Kat's bringing up is that it kind of reminds me of a peep show where they have that whole thing about like, 
are we the baddies? Because in the context of like this propaganda video, it's like you could always make the argument that, okay, the empire is like totalitarian, but people can like, you know, generally understand that they have law and order. But it's like, wait a minute, this is the type of music they put in their commercials? These sound like some evil fucks, man. Wait, are we referring to Peep Show as in the British sitcom? Yeah, there's this amazing skit where they are... Oh, I know it. I just was wondering, like, there's someone... Because that's with the guy from Shaun of the Dead's in it. Yeah. Uh, What the fuck's his name in Shaun of the Dead? He has the glasses, and he's 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 obsessed with Shaun's girlfriend. I can't believe I'm blanking right now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, the... The twat. (laughs) Yeah, the twat. But the whole Are We the Baddies bit, it's the best thing ever. Like, yeah, I'm so glad someone else refer to that series produced by the people who did spaced my favorite show of all time uh it's one of the best shows ever spaced yeah i love that show oh ken we're best friends we are fucking best friends now (laughs) the invisible gunfight is one of the best episodes of tv ever i I swear to god this was a mandalorian podcast at some point (laughs) i swear the only person still listening is timothy oliphant it's no it's it's probably nick picaro Hope, I hope this. Um, um, but yeah, that's that's the end of this uh, kind of try. Hopefully, we will streamline. Are we this doing process the music part or not? Yeah, no, I'm just talking about ending the Mandalorian <laughs> aspect of. Uh, like I said, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks. Uh, just just to can on every. Us- we should just. This should be the podcast for the next ten weeks. It's just the four of us. And then have randomly have Cole come in and be like, do a random word of hurt song, be like if, singing a if, Christmas carol. If Ken and Cat are available. I'm all for it. We We're can do, no pressure. We can no do pressure. a Mandalorian podcast for the next few weeks if they're available. If not, we'll find some guests and we'll bring it on. But anyway, not uh, that was uh, Socially Distance colon The Mandalorian. And now we're going to just end uh, our pod with uh, Bill. You're going to have to sing it for us. Music, 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 music in a time of quarantine. <laughs> that was great. That's that was what great. happens when you expecting. drink. We're probably going to get copyright by Disney or something. Oh, like, no, just going to give off. Uh, yeah, they do, actually. I'm sorry. Probably, probably get sued by Werner Herzog, if anything. Um, <laughs> no, dude. I'm telling you, look up anything about him, man. He, he doesn't give a shit. That's true. Uh, music in a time of quarantine, music recommendations, things that we're listening to. Could be new music, could be. Um, stuff uh, that we're revisiting during this time. It's not really music in a time of quarantine anymore. Basically it's music in a time of pandemic and uh, hellfire. Um, I'm going to do my pick first real quick because this is something that I know uh, is near and dear to Ken's heart uh, specifically. And you're literally paid by the band at this point. At this point, yes. Uh, Everyone knows my love for the band Phoenix. I knew it was going to be about Phoenix. I was like, it had had to be. But um, I um, was I was wanting to listen to something uh, that I've uh, just some comfort food, and I went on YouTube and I remember that Pitchfork live streamed uh, Phoenix uh, during their Tiamo tour, their uh, Tiamo special that they did a residency at the Brooklyn Steel, and it was actually at the exact show that I took photos of. So it was super super special for me. Um, it's about an hour and a half. It is a full concert, and um, as someone who is an avid concert goer uh, and someone who misses it so fucking much, it hurts inside. It was so great to see 
not only just a recording of a concert, but one that I had actually attended in, you know, great quality and great sound. And uh, like literally had I got to relive um, that experience all over again. Um, and it's, you know, it's all the big hits from Phoenix as well as Tiamo, which is a breathtakingly fun uh, great album so yeah you can go on youtube and just put pitchfork phoenix and you'll be able to find it it's uh so special and that's my pick i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna go next so i can be quick and everyone else can have more time to talk because cat and ken deserve all the time so i'm gonna do a real quick one mine is troubles coming by the band royal blood i remember hearing about royal blood when they came out with their seminal 2014 album, also titled Royal Blood. Um, when I worked for a streaming uh, radio station based out of California called Save Alternative, uh, Into the Black was one of the first songs, uh, out, out of the Black, I'm sorry, one of the first songs I ever heard about them, immediately struck me. Love this band. We interviewed with them on thepopbreak.com. Uh, Trouble's Coming, as Al and I talked about once, uh, well, on Messenger, uh, was sounds a little bit like Joy Wave, and then kind of rolls into that gritty low end uh, goodness that Royal Blood is known for. I've seen them open for the Foo Fighters before. Love this band. Um, this is a really fun song, and I'm very interesting where this third record takes them. I was not in love with How Do We Get So Dark, but uh, go find their self-titled debut on Spotify. Love this song. It is amazing uh i love that album it's amazing i should say uh royal blood a band that does not get enough love or credit out there we didn't talk about bruce springsteen this week (laughs) yeah but we did talk about phoenix so it all evens out yeah it does am i going yes you are you man um before i start i everyone needs to know that at one point in the last uh, five minutes. Um, Cole came in here looking aghast, and I was like, "What is something wrong?" He's like, "No, I just want everyone to know that that scene in Man of Steel that you brought up, Al, is terrible." And then he left. <laughs> Cole is like this very <laughs> subtle national treasure. Yeah, yeah. Cole is like my secret best friend that he hasn't really figured out yet. Mine too, <laughs> but I just don't. I think he also hates me at the same time, and I'm totally cool with that. Ooh. No, well, <laughs> if Cole hated you. You would know. Oh, I know. Also, I'm just he doesn't hate anybody except. Well, we're not talking about politics, but he hates one person. <laughs> um, uh, oh, music. Okay, yeah. so um, I guess I'm feeling extremely basic this week um, because I have not been able to listen to anything else other than Arctic Monkeys 2018 album Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, um, so which great. is. Uh, Truly beyond fantastic. And part of the reason I was listening to it was uh, for charity, they are releasing on vinyl uh, a live performance of said album that they did at Royal Albert Hall in London. And it's coming out actually on my birthday, December 4th. I would say by. Yeah, baby. December babies rule. Yeah. Um, And. It's such. Who just booed? What? Yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm not a December baby. I'm a February. That was the such a dick. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Ken, when's your birthday? August. Oh, okay. So he's, he doesn't have to say anything. I always remember it's exactly three months before mine. Um, uh, <laughs> what? No, it's just funny. I'd... Um. Anyway, uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino is a concept record. 
that is about what if there was a hotel and casino on the moon and it's like what if that was happening in the 1950s slash 60s it's so it's like the 1960s vision of the future so it's kind of like the jetsons but like a little like sleazier and cooler mm-hmm. um it's an amazing amazing record um that feels like very timely still even though it came out three years ago now um excellent cannot recommend it more um and i love that pretty much everyone we have talked about ken you have photographed slash interviewed slash like know very well because ken is the music man of Mm -hmm. new york city no 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 you're muted but speak louder oh i was gonna bring up that the royal blood guys are big uh star trek fans so it's kind of trippy that we're talking about star wars and they really like star trek they're big nerdy guys it's really funny they were they were i can't remember which member of the band i interviewed and wonderful guys to talk to they're just so cool and down to earth yeah really lovely uh ken what is uh what is your pick Oh, that's a good question. It's interesting. I've been listening to like a lot more podcasts more, but what's been cool about that is like whenever I find myself delving into music, uh, like throughout this whole pandemic, I'll just do it in a very deep way. And I've been feeling that way about this rapper from Houston named Tobe Nenigwe. I'm pretty sure I pronounced him right. And he's an independent rapper who has like millions of views. And ever since the pandemic started, he started this thing called the Pandemic Project, where every week he drops a song as well with an accompanying video. Uh, just this Sunday, he released a song called Ashamed with PJ Morton, who's a popular R&B singer who's yeah. also the keyboardist in Maroon 5, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. what's been really interesting is this guy, I only learned about him from uh, NPR Tiny Desk like back in like April. And since then, he's been one of my favorite people because a lot of the songs he's been releasing over the course of the pandemic have been very like i think they speak they ring very true to what people are dealing with you know being confined in their homes and like you know the racial tension and the political tension going out so if you search them on youtube you'll see like you know this gigantic stacked football player style black dude surrounded by like pale green imagery and it's just like you could spend like hours pouring over his videos and his songs, and they're all really great. So I would recommend him. He's just fantastic. I'm um, I'm really excited to to check him out. I just yeah. I just pulled him up on uh, Spotify, but now, now you're saying skip it, go right into the videos because it, it's more of a, a really cool art project as well. Yeah, I would recommend his tunes "Make It Home" and another one called "Try Jesus." The "Try Jesus" one is really short, but the whole crux of it is essentially that like. He's almost kind of singing to like a potential redneck who might be racist saying, hey, man, if you want to mess with me, try Jesus instead, because otherwise I'll beat you up. And it's just it's very tongue in cheek. It's really Love it. Uh, Kenneth, I could ask a question. Uh, who would you compare him to if, if it's even possible? Like, ooh, that's a really good question. Um, hmm, who would I compare him to? Do you know what's interesting? I can't compare him musically, but artistically, he reminds me a lot of like Kendrick Lamar in terms of like, anytime you watch a Kendrick Lamar video, it sticks with you. And then the words, it's kind of like what I love about Kendrick is that you can't 
listen to his music without paying attention to the words. The words become embedded in your head, whether you're attempting to listen to them or not. And Tobey's music does that as well, where you're enjoying the melody and you're enjoying the sonics, but the words resonate with you regardless of whether or not you're trying to listen to them. So I would compare them in that way. Awesome. Uh, We'll have to check them out. Um, Well, that just about does it, guys. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, We're going to do some quick plugs before we end the episode. But just as a reminder for anyone still listening, um, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks. Uh, Might be Kat and Ken joining. Could be other guests. Who knows? But we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian specifically because the whole concept of this podcast was for two friends uh, who were trying to get through this pandemic. Uh, They were just basically taking their conversation from Facebook Messenger uh, into podcast form. So this is a conversation we would have had anyway. Like, oh, my God, you watched Mandalorian last night? And just a a, uh, tsunami of just feelings and thoughts and concepts and theories, whatever. Our our actual conversation was, have you watched it? Have you watched it? How much? Dude, what the fuck? Why haven't you watched it? You're like, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Stop. It's very true. Which actually is like the inverse conversation of like yeah. five years ago with me. Oh, oh man. Quick story. So I'm finally getting able to watch it. It's like 1130 at night and everyone is in bed except for my mother-in-law who is finding ways to make as much sounds as possible in the kitchen. And I'm just Moms. like, I'm just, I have the remote in my hand. Just like, please, please let me play this. I just need to watch it. And you know what? It was totally worth the wait. But yes, uh, we'll be doing this for the next few weeks. Um, reach out to us on social media uh, at the at the pop break or no popbreak.com. I'll take care of Twitter. that. Yes. No, but I'm going to say specifically reach it, reach out to us and let us know what you guys thought of the Mandalorian. And if you have anything that you want us to talk about, give us some suggestions. We'd, we'd love to um, hear your suggestions. Write us a review on uh, Apple iTunes. It's not iTunes anymore, by the way. It's Apple Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts. iTunes is gone. Just not existing anymore. Which is strange to me. Uh, I grew up with iTunes. Uh, yeah, so uh, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify and Stitcher. You already know that. You're listening to us. Awesome. But anyway, I did the plug for you, Bill. Too late. Uh, Kat, where can people find you on the social medias? Um, people can find me uh, on at Instagram at Cat Goes to Shows, because uh, I am slash was a concert photographer, even though there's no concerts happening. Um, but um, I, I want to say as a tagline to that, that I would not be a concert photographer without anybody on on this call. Um, Bill for his endless support and Al and Ken for their incredible art. You should go to their instagrams to find incredible concert photography because they're both so good um you can you also know i was a concert photographer once i don't ever claim to be any good at it <laughs> That's true. But... remember when you shot rob zombie like i think about that all the time uh, i think about it too i think about it when he shared the photo of me and uh a photo i shot of him i remember the time i shot mumford and sons and <laughs> shitting a brick the whole time <laughs> trying to hide my flash because i couldn't get a good photo i'm like cupping the flash like Oh yeah, we've all we've all been there. Yeah, there you go. Um, yes, I, you can also find me on Twitter, but don't. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter. I love it. You inform Thank me you, all the time. Thank you, Bella, for so supportive. Yeah, you know. Uh, Ken, not only uh, where can people find you, but uh, make sure you plug your podcast as well. 
No, absolutely. Uh, you could find me on Instagram and Twitter as Kenami Photo. That's K E N A M I, and then photo spelled regularly. And uh, you could also find my podcast, A New Exchange, with Ken Grand Pierre on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and essentially almost everywhere you stream podcasts except for SoundCloud. And new episodes come out on Tuesdays. Um, Season one will be wrapping like uh, around mid-November, and then season two will be kicking off February of 2021. But you will be able to hear so many, you know, back episodes. There's a lot of great stuff there. I'm more than sure I've talked to someone that you like, so be sure to check it out. Awesome. And then uh, Bill. Let me get all the references here. Okay, every day go to thepopbreak.com. We have like awesome stuff in the film, television, music, comic book, pro wrestling, and podcast sections. We are also launching, because fuck it, I'm going to say it. We are launching a brand new section on uh, Monday called Digital Trends. Uh, we're going to be talking about cool stuff about podcasts and YouTube creators and uh, stuff you're seeing all over social media. We have a whole new section going on that Al never told you about it, but it's happening. Not that you care. Um, but yeah, it's going to be super cool. Check that out. Ken's like dying laughing at this point. Um, cause I am literally a cartoon character come to life. Uh, follow us on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook at the popbreak on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow me where I'm basically like, Hey, politics or Hey, pro wrestling, it's at Bodkin writes W R I T E S. Um, I don't want you to follow me on Instagram because it's like pictures of my kid. And that's like, if you know me, you'll follow me anyway. Um, but also like, Hey, I'll say something political, but very, uh, tasteful. We're in an election. Whoever wins. There's a lot of work to be done still left in this world. There's a lot of great charities out there. There's a lot of great causes out there. Go research them. Go find them. If your guy wins or your person wins, a lot of people think if Joe Biden wins, hey, the work's over. The work is far from over. And we need to keep working. We need to keep fighting. There's a lot of people we love out there who right now do not feel like more than half this country cares about them. Fight for them. Love them. Support them. It's why we're on this earth. So that's all I'm going to say about that. As, as political, I will get on this podcast. Excellent. And uh, I am at Al Manorino on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, very quiet. Not a lot of photos being taken outside <laughs> except of... For uh, Sunday. The, except <laughs> take, for this Sunday. Except for this You're taking my family photos. <laughs> I am. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I got to get, I gotta get so. you details. Yeah, that'd be great. I have like a pile of gifts for uh, your your daughter. And then uh, Twitter, uh, hopefully after this week, not a lot of political posts. Uh, mostly it's just becoming like a a, a Timothy Oliphant stan account. Or a Tommy Siegel is, stan account. Go listen to that oh, podcast. Yeah. We love Tommy. Oh, Tommy's a, that's le- legitimately one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Uh, Go back to we're professional. So, yeah. <laughs> professional. Um well, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to Socially Distance. Uh, we'll see you next week for Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian. <laughs>